Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. Our prayer is that you too would experience his presence and hear his voice for yourself. Please enjoy this week's message by our senior leader, Pastor Jamie's wife, Pastor Nicole Van Gelder. Day, I'm going to start with a few dad jokes. <laughs> wow, this crowd is ready to go. Awesome. Okay. Um, what do you call a beehive without an exit? Unbelievable. <laughs> Get it? You know, because they can't leave. Okay. Um, <laughs> which days are the strongest? Saturday and Sunday. Because the rest are weekdays. Wow. <laughs> wow, like I could totally be a comedian just to this like crowd right here. Yep. Okay, um, let's see, we'll do one last one. We all know about Murphy's Law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. But have you heard of Cole's Law? It's thinly sliced cabbage. Uh, <laughs> good one, seek it, because coleslaw, coleslaw, do you get it? Whenever <laughs> my kids don't laugh at my jokes, I just assume it's because they don't understand, so. <laughs> Thank you. So, happy Father's Day to all the dads in here. Um, I want to shout out my husband who disappeared during first service, so... I get to embarrass him right now <laughs> and call him out for skipping church, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, my husband is such an amazing father, and I am going to brag on him just for a moment because um, my husband makes me a better mom because of the way he loves our kids. He is their biggest champion encourager, hands down. And I love that. He strategizes. He thinks about starting businesses and doing things so that he can make a way for our kids to have a glorious future. Like, that's the type of man that he is. He has a hundred things going on, and yet his number one thing in his heart that he is thinking towards the future doesn't have anything to do with his retirement or what he's going to accomplish with his own legacy but he thinks about how he can make the way for our kids. And that is, yeah, you can sigh over that. That is, <laughs> that is an amazing thing. So I love you, and happy Father's Day. <laughs> the good news that you all have today is that you all have a father that's just like that. Even a little bit better, no offense. <laughs> But I don't know if you realize this, but you all have a dad that is making the way for you, that is going before you, that is preparing the way, that is setting you up for victory, that has already seen everything that your future holds and has already prepared the provision that you're going to need, not just to survive, but to actually thrive. And so I felt the Lord saying today to me, and I don't mean this to be harsh, so please hear my heart, but that there are people in here 
who have been wearing as part of your identity either fatherlessness or the wounds that you have gotten from your earthly father because of their lack, because of the ways they have not measured up, and that the Lord is saying that today that ends. <laughs> that you're not going to walk out of here with any excuse to wear that as an armor of protection, as an excuse to not have to live fully the life that he designed for you to live, that you're not going to allow those things to speak to your identity anymore because you are not fatherless. Because... Because your father loves you so much. And he has been with you. Do you know that you're twice his? You know, because he created you. He loves you and he was with you when you were knit together in your mother's womb. And then he bought you back with the blood of his son. Yeah. That's the kind of father you have. And so my goal today is that you're going to walk out of here with strength, with courage, and with confidence because you know who you belong to. And you know that he is with you and that he is never going to forsake you. So let me pray. Oh, Father, you're just so good. <laughs> Lord, and my tears today are because of your goodness, because I've encountered your love, and it has changed everything. And Lord, I know that you love each person in here with such a deep love, that it is so deep, so wide, that we cannot comprehend it, but that the way you love us is with a love that never lets go. Father, that you see every part of us and that you love us faithfully and you love us unconditionally and in your love you call us to greatness. So I just thank you, Father, and I ask that there would be healing of hearts today, that there would be a determination that would come into people's lives, that they would not allow the enemy to steal any part of their identity or connection to you, but that instead that this day they would encounter you as their father and things would never be the same. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to start in Deuteronomy 31. The setting of the scripture is Moses has been leading the Israelites they were supposed to just go to the promised land. If you remember the story, they had been enslaved in Egypt. And Moses is chosen by God to lead them out of slavery. They're going to the promised land. They make some errors of judgment. <laughs> and so the journey takes a lot longer than it is supposed to. But it's finally the time that they are going to be actually going to live in the land that all those years ago that God had promised. In fact, it's, in, it's the younger generation that's going to go and um, enter the promised land. And this is what happens. So Deuteronomy 31. Moses went and spoke these words to Israel, all of Israel, and he said to them, I'm 120 years old today. 
I am no longer able to come and go. And the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross this Jordan. It is the Lord your God who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you, just as the Lord has spoken. The Lord will do to them just as he did to the kings of the Amorites and to their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will deliver them up before you, and you shall do to them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all of Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall give it to them as an inheritance. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. All right, Joshua is starting to be given a job that is a really big job. I can't even imagine trying to follow in Moses' footsteps. Moses was the man of God. He was the prophet. He was the one who had seen all the miracles. It was at his hands, the miracles of Egypt. He was the one who would meet with the Lord face to face. He would come down from the mountain, which would shake and tremble as the Lord was speaking. And he would come down and his face would glow to such an extent that he would cover it with a veil. Because people were afraid of him glowing, which rightly so, right? (laughs) That would be a little intimidating. And Joshua, who had been his servant, is now being told that he's the one who's actually going to be leading the people into the promised land. This is an amazing thing, and I want to pick the story up in Joshua 1. Now, it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all the people, to the land which I'm giving them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I've given to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses has commanded you. Do not turn from it, from the right or the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book shall not depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. And then it goes on and it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, it is clear that Joshua is the man that has been chosen for this position, for this job. It's a big task, but God chose Joshua for it. He is promising him that he is going to be able to be victorious, that he'll be successful in the job that he's been given. Yet, he is commanded over and over again, what? 
Be strong and courageous. Now, <laughs> I recently had this happen where I was praying, you know, just praying into this changing of seasons and what was coming. And, and as I was spending time in prayer and just kind of trying to look into what the Lord was saying and how to respond to what he was doing in this season in my own heart and in my home and in the church and community, like I began to have all this hope well up in my heart. Like I just felt the Lord's promise over this day. And I was so expectant, like there was going to be transition, like the Lord was speaking about how I was going to start to see things that I'd been waiting for in past seasons of promises that were given. They were going to start to come forth in this, in this day. And I was so excited. And the Lord spoke to me then <laughs> this phrase, and he said, you can do hard things. And so I'm praying, and I have all this hope, and I'm all excited, and then I'm like, yes, I can do hard things. And then I was, wait, wait, what? <laughs> like, wait a second. <laughs> I don't want to do hard stuff. <laughs> like, that's not an encouraging thing, Lord. Like, I just want, like, the promise is yes, you know, but couldn't someone else do them? Right? But he was saying to me, you can do hard things. And the amazing thing was that just, you know, I don't even know how many days passed. And all of a sudden, I was facing hard things that I hadn't anticipated. But what happened is this amazing thing is that I kept hearing the Lord speak to me. You can do hard things. You can do hard things. And so then, instead of backing down in a way I may have at one time when I was facing something that really intimidated me, I would go into it. And just head on and go, I can do hard things. The Lord told me, I can do hard things. And I'm just like, okay. And I just had this determination. In this season, whatever it is that we face, you know, I'm, I'm bringing, I'm dragging my family along with me, right? <laughs> like, this is the season we're going to do the hard things. Because God's with us and victory is ours. We just can't back down. And this is what the Lord is saying to Joshua. You can do hard things. I've given you this job. I've chosen you. There is victory that's promised, but it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. So you have to have strength and you have to have courage, but you can go into it knowing that I'm with you. I began studying that passage about being strong and courageous, and I found that there's a couple other places that that same phrase is used. So I'm just going to share them with you now. The next time we hear this phrase is when David is king. So Israel is established, David is king, he's had all this victory, and as he is reigning king in Israel, the king of the Ammonites, a neighboring people, dies. And David had had a good relationship with this king. They lived in peace together. Now, the son of this king that passed away, the son came into power. He was the one who was the new king. And so David sent messengers to honor him, to express sympathy, to honor the father, you know, just as in a respectful way because he had always had a good relationship with this king who had died. And the son was convinced by the commanders of his army that David wasn't actually sending messengers as a show of respect or honor, but that the messengers were actually there to spy out the land because he was going to conquer it. 
And so what they did is they seized the messengers that David had sent, and they shaved off their beards, and they cut their robes short, and they sent them on their way, which was a very humiliating and shameful thing. So when David heard this, he was not pleased. And, and what happens is that the Ammonites quickly realized that they, they were wrong, that David actually wasn't going to conquer the land. But instead of trying to make things right with him, instead they prepare for battle and they get other people to join them, preparing for David to come and to fight with them. And when David hears what's happening... <laughs> he does, in fact, decide to go to war. So First Chronicles 19, starting at verse 8, it says, When David heard of it, and what it's talking about is that they were preparing for battle, he sent Joab, his commander, and all the army, the mighty men. The sons of Ammon came out and drew up in battle array at the entrance of the city, and the kings who had come were by themselves in the field. Now when Joab saw that the battle was set against him in the front and in the rear, he selected from all the choice men of Israel, and they arrayed themselves against the Armenians. But the remainder of the people he placed in the hand of his brother, and they arrayed themselves against the sons of Ammon. And he said, if the Arameans are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the sons of Ammon are too strong for you, then I will help you. Be strong and let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. Okay, it's not the Lord speaking this time, it's Joab, but he's saying, hey, like we are (laughs) surrounded on every side. This is not a good position to be in. But do you know what we're going to do is we're going to be strong and we're going to show ourselves courageous. We have to do this because the battle's not just about us. We're doing this for the sake of our people and for the cities of our God. And then we're going to leave the rest up to the Lord. (laughs) There's one more place that this phrase takes place, and it's even more, more time has passed in Israel history, and it's when Hezekiah is king. Now, at this point in history, Israel is split up into two different kingdoms. They don't have a lot of godly kings, but Hezekiah happens to be a godly man. He's a king who makes godly reforms in the land. And in fact, scripture says that Hezekiah sought the Lord with all of his heart. Now, if there's anything that you want to be remembered for, I want to suggest to you that this would be a good thing. That you would be remembered as somebody who sought the Lord with all your heart. That's who Hezekiah was. So he was a good king. But during his reign, the king of Assyria began to invade Judah. And so guess what Hezekiah says to the people as they're preparing for war? Second Chronicles 32, verses 7 and 8. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be dismayed because of the king of Assyria, nor because of all the horde that is with him. For the one with us is greater than the one with him. With him is only an arm, army of flesh, But with us is the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles. And the people relied on the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. What an amazing thing. (laughs) What a posture to take. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of the horde coming at you. Because they're just flesh. And we have God on our side. That's awesome. 
All right, be strong and courageous. Do not fear, do not be dismayed. What does this actually mean? To be strong means to fasten upon, to fortify, to prevail. It is more a picture of a promise or a process than something that happens in a brief moment. It's that you're positioning yourself, you're holding on until victory, until you prevail. To be courageous, I love this because it's to be alert, physically or mentally, to be steadfastly minded until you prove superior. I love this too because one of the words that this can be translated as is to be obstinate. Anyone in here ever been accused of being obstinate before? It's okay if you don't want to raise your hands, but... But that just shows that you have the wiring to be a courageous person. It's about being alert and steadfast. Do not fear. That word for fear there means to stand in awe of or revere. It's a picture of having more respect for what's coming at you as though it's more powerful than whatever it is that you have. And the Lord's saying, don't be in awe of that. Don't fear, don't revere them. What they have isn't greater than what you have, right? Do not be dismayed. To be dismayed means to break down or to be shattered. It's about your, you're doing your best and you are overwhelmed and you break down because of the pressure that you're facing. And trembling is about being in dread or terrified. Altogether, this is a picture of overcoming. God has created you to overcome. You could say it like this. When God's commanding us to be strong and courageous, he's saying, commit, be persistent, prevail, don't quit. Be alert and brave. Be confident and obstinate against anything that tries to prevent your victory. Do not be in awe of the opposition or afraid Do not become overwhelmed or break down or be intimidated. When you posture yourself like this, it doesn't mean that there isn't going to be something hard that you're going to have to withstand. But it means that you have braced yourself, that you are strengthening yourself in the Lord, that you're reminding yourself that it's okay for the process because you know that victory is going to be yours because you know who's on your side. So I have a question for you. Where do you find yourself afraid? What area of your life feels overwhelming? How would your life be different if you realized that you have the ability to be strong and courageous in every area? You know, our culture feeds on fear. There's so many things to be afraid of. And it tries to make us even more afraid, more intimidated about whatever it is that we're facing. But the truth of the matter is that when we are Christians, when we know the Lord, any excuse for fear has been removed from our life. Because he hasn't wired us for fear. He's wired us for courage and strength. So there's one last passage where this phrase is used, and I want to look at it, and then I'm going to wrap it up. But 1 Chronicles 28. This is back in David's reign. He's about to hand over his kingdom to his son Solomon. And I'm going to read not all of the scriptures, but chunks of it. 
um, of that process. So it says, David assembled at Jerusalem all the officials of Israel, the princes of the tribes and the commanders of the divisions that served the king, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds and the overseers of all the property and livestock belonging to the king and his sons, with the officials and the mighty men, even all the valiant men. Then King David rose to his feet and he said, listen to me, my people. I had intended to build a permanent house for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. So I had made preparations to build it. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because you are a man of war and have shed blood. If you've heard Jamie share about this, he says David wasn't a good builder. He was a good warrior, but maybe not a carpenter, right? <laughs> so he says, you're not going to build it. But then in verse 6, he says, your son Solomon, so this is the Lord speaking to David, your son Solomon is the one who shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be a son to me, and I will be a father to him. I will establish his kingdom forever if he resolutely performs my commandments and ordinances as is done now. So now in the sight of all of Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, observe and seek after all the commandments of the Lord your God, so that you may possess the good land and bequeath it to your sons after you forever. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father. Serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches hearts and understands every intent of thoughts. If you seek him, you'll find him. If you forsake him, he'll reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be courageous and act. And then David gave to his son the plan. Okay, And then he lays out the exact plan for how the temple is going to be built. Because it's all been written down. It's all prepared for Solomon. Then in verse 19, it says this, All of this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the details of this pattern. And then David said to his son, Solomon, be strong and courageous and act. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. All right, be strong, be courageous, and act. Do not fear or be dismayed. I want you to notice something. What types of circumstances require strength and courage? <laughs> All of them, right? So if we look at the examples, when you're facing foes, when you're gaining new ground, when you're surrounded on every side, when you're outnumbered, you know, in those situations, it makes sense to me that the Lord would say, hey, be strong and courageous, because it would not be natural to be afraid. But when I was reading about Solomon, I have to be honest and tell you, I thought, what the heck does he have to be afraid about, right? He's being made king. <laughs> he is having this, you know, big job that he's been given to do, but he's been given the plans for it. And not only is he given the plans for it, but he's not the one building it himself. There are other people that are actually going to be doing the labor of it. And not only that, but David has been gathering resources so that he would have what he needed to build this temple. 
And yet he is told more than once that he must be strong and that he must be courageous and that he must act. You know what this tells me? <laughs> this tells me it doesn't matter if you're at peace with plenty or if you're in war and in need, <laughs> but that you are going to need to have strength and courage. That in every season of life, yeah, in every season of life, the Lord wants you to be gaining ground. That there isn't a moment, yeah, you guys can clap. This is good. See, before you guys were laughing, and now these are the ones I should preach to, so. <laughs> it doesn't matter what season of life you're in, though. The point is, is that bravery isn't a wiring that some people are just naturally born with. It's actually a character choice. <laughs> because the Lord is calling us to be strong and to be courageous to not be afraid or dismayed because he wants our lives to gain ground. He wants our lives to gain victory. I don't know what victory you need in your life. I don't know if it's a character issue. I don't know if it's something that is in your family line that it's time that somebody stands up and doesn't continue to pass on. I don't know if there are things that you're facing in your family or in your job or if it's just in your relationship with the Lord. I don't know what it is, but I know that the Lord is requiring strength and courage of you. <laughs> that he has something he wants you to experience in your lifetime. And it's going to require you to fortify yourself and to choose to be a person of strength to choose to be a person of courage, because as you do, you will prevail and you will see victory. And that is good news. <laughs> you can do hard things. And knowing this removes the option of fear from your life. <laughs> I am a mom of eight, and I find that it's easy to be afraid for my kids. I want them to do well. I want them to be healthy. I want them to have long, happy lives. It's easy to look into the shape of the world around us and get dismayed. <laughs> you know, just to be honest, sometimes I think, okay, well, if our kids, if we could just live within the bubble of our home forever, sure, they won't be able to get married or have jobs, but we'll be safe. You know, but <laughs> the truth of the matter is, is that I know that the Lord has called them to great things and that I can't in fear try to protect them from something that the Lord has actually created them for. Right. <laughs> because when you walk with the Lord, you don't have an option of fear anymore. So whenever you're feeling afraid, dismayed, overwhelmed, you know, those momentary moments happen to all of us. The emotion comes. But it's in those moments where you are called to remind yourself that you were not created for that, but you were created for courage, that you were created for strength. And as you do that, you will find that you will do hard things. And the reason, and this is the really important thing, is that the reason you can live with strength and courage is because God is with you. <laughs> he goes 
ahead of you. He promises that. He says, I'm with you. I'm going ahead of you. And he also says, I will not fail. That means that he will not abandon you or let you drop. He says that he will not forsake you. And that means that he will not neglect you or let you go. (laughs) Our God is such a good father. Yeah. He's not neglectful. He doesn't let go. He doesn't start with the best of intentions but not follow through. (laughs) But he is with us every step of the way. And because of that, we can face any situation in life with great confidence. Because it isn't about who we are. It's about who our dad is. And our dad is good and he is with us. All right, one last thing, and then we're going to be dismissed, and you dads can go do dad stuff, uh, start stuff on fire, or whatever it is that you want to do. Okay. (laughs) One last thing I want to point out, though, is sometimes we don't recognize that God is with us because we have misplaced expectations. This is where what Joab said was so wise. You know, when Joab is going into battle and he's seeing that there's a battle in front and there's a battle behind and he's saying, we're going to be strong. We're going to show ourselves courageous for the sake of the people. And then he says, may the Lord do what is good in his sight. Our part is to be strong and courageous. And then we trust the Lord to do what is good in his sight. We trust the Lord for his will to be done. Sometimes we think we know what God's will is. And we think we know the way that he's supposed to come through. It's supposed to look exactly like this, God. If you hear my prayer and if you're answering me, that means this. And then when it doesn't mean that, we think that he wasn't listening. We think that he doesn't care that he's not with us. But the truth is that he's with us. It's just that we don't understand what the result is supposed to be because he has something greater in mind than what we see or know. God is with us, and we can be sure of it. But when he's with us, it doesn't mean that we always get our way because he's a good father, and he knows that us getting our way is not actually what is best. Instead, he has something better. So we do our part, and then we trust the rest to God. His faithfulness is sure, and he will come through. Psalm 3124, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. Can you guys please stand? Today is a good day for hope. (laughs) It's a good day to let your heart take courage. Because God is your father, so how can you not? Be hopeful. All right. So I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to pray with me. So, Father, I just thank you that you're a good father. (laughs) I thank you that you're not far off, that you're not distant, that you're not neglectful. Lord, I ask that you would remove the veils from our eyes that have prevented us from seeing you as you really are. Lord, that you would bring healing and you would bring hope to hearts. And Lord, we repent for areas where we have let fear speak 
where we have let fear determine our steps or the way that we see. And this day, Lord, we resolve to be a people that are strong and courageous. Lord, that trust in you because we know that you will not fail, that you have already gone before us and made a way. So, Father, I just thank you for each person, and I ask that this week, Lord, that you would be with them as they win great victories, as they see prevailing in their life. And I want to release the Father's blessing over you this morning. So would you just do me a favor, just wherever you're at, would you, uh, maybe if it's appropriate, you can reach out and just grab a hand of somebody that's standing near you, or you can put a hand on someone's shoulder, but let's, uh, let's do our best to be connected to one another right now, okay? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you have formed a family that you make a home for the lonely, that you're always inviting, Lord, the, uh, the stranger to become a part of the family. And Lord, so this morning, I thank you that you're knitting us together. And so, Lord, in your holy name, in the matchless name that's above every other name, our Father's name, our, our Father, the family blessing, the name of the Lord be over our lives. And so, Lord, I bless your people today. I bless them. Be. Just be. Be who you are. I bless you as a father, as a dad, bless as a child. Be who you are. Everybody else is occupied. Everybody else is taken up. You be you. So we bless you to be the best version of you. Be so incredibly good at being you. The kindness the glory, the image of the Father, the image of God that's in you would come to, and you would be fruitful. It would come to the surface. You'd be you. Be fruitful. Multiply. You'd be so good at being you that it gets on everybody else. Come on, influence and touch people's lives. Let who God is in you, the best version of you, come shining forth that others would be Others would experience who God is in you. I Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Man, let it touch creation. You be so good at being you that it gets on everybody else and it influences the world. We bless you today. Let the authority of heaven rest on who God made you to be in fullness. Be liberated today. We bless you. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. Oh, let his favor shine upon your life. Let the Lord be gracious to you. Let you know what it's like to live under the smile of heaven. And may the Lord grant you his peace, that your hearts, your minds would be kept, that you would advance this kingdom all the days of your life. I bless you, church, in the name of the Lord and everybody who dared to agree with that said. Amen, amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord? Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. It is our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or by sharing it with your friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love for you to connect with our community. Please visit ithehouse.org for more information. See you next week.